The following message is brought to you by Morgan Hill Bible Church. For all things MHBC, connect with us on social media and check us out online at mhbible.org. Well, it is good to be back with you. If you didn't know, last week I was gone. I was putting Ricky's sermon into practice and on vacation last week as he was here preaching about rest. Uh, And I love that he talked about how rest is unique for every one of us because for me, it was a successful vacation because I rode my bike for two hours every morning. Some of you, that sounds like the opposite of vacation, but to me, that sounds like the best vacation ever. And I think we could all agree, zero work emails were read by me. That's a good vacation, right? So, so thank you to Ricky and to our team um, who do a great job always. And so it's good to be back with you. We are now in week five of this series called Rhythms of Life as we've looked at different rhythms that, that we should have, different habits to help bring us into this fullness of life that Jesus promised us when we follow after him. And most of the rhythms that we've talked about are daily rhythms. They're things that most Christians should strive to practice regularly, daily, if not daily, at least multiple times a week. Rhythms that we've talked about like community and prayer and scripture. And last week we talked about the importance of having regular rhythms of rest in our lives. And the rhythm that we're going to talk about this morning is unique because it's a rhythm that for almost probably every Christian is not a daily rhythm. And I would venture to say that for almost all of us, this is not a weekly rhythm or nor necessarily should it be of our lives, but it still is an important rhythm, something that we intentionally look at and practice in our lives that can have a great help for us in growing into who God wants us to be. And the rhythm that we're going to talk about this morning is the rhythm of fasting, the rhythm of, of fasting. Fasting being giving up of something, the intentional giving up of something for a spiritual purpose. See, God often meets us in unique and special ways when we move away from the normal routines of life to seek after him. Oftentimes when we set aside the normal rhythms and we set aside time to seek after God, it is often, not always, but it is often then that God meets us in a unique way. I know I have seen this in my own life. As I look back to some of my key spiritual moments that I can look back on on God leading and guiding me, I still vividly remember where I was when I was 17 years old. And I was on a backpacking trip out of the the state that I lived in with my youth group, out of all the normal settings. And it was in the quietness and the stillness of one of those mornings on a mountaintop in the Appalachian Mountains in Tennessee that I felt God prompt me to be a pastor. And it's something that that God met me when I was away from the normal routines of life. We talk about this with camp a lot. This is why for a lot of us, camp has been a powerful experience in our youth because we're away from normal routines. Even as adults, when we get away on retreat, God can meet us in powerful ways. And fasting has this same idea that when we actually break our normal rhythms of life for the intentional purpose of seeking after God, that sometimes in those moments is when God can show up in a powerful way in our lives. So fasting is simply the giving up of something for a spiritual purpose. The giving up of something for a spiritual purpose. Now I wanna be clear that something that you give up is not a bad thing. So this is not like trying to eliminate the bad habits 
from your life. But it is choosing to abstain from even a good thing for a season for a specific reason. So fasting is not like, hey, I'm an alcoholic. I should fast from alcohol. Like if you are an alcoholic, you probably should stop drinking, right? But, but that, that's not the purpose of fasting. is isn't just, I'm gonna stop this bad thing, but even the good things in life may be to set aside for a, for a season to focus on God. An example of things that people often in today's time will fast from. I know of many people who will, for seasons, fast from TV. It'll still be there in the house, but they never turn it on for a specific season. There's nothing sinful if you go home and watch the Warriors game today. You are not committing a sin. Some of you might be sinning based on the score of the game, but you're not sinning just based on watching the game. Or that TV is not inherently sinful, but maybe for a season to step away from it. And for many people, for a season of fasting, they step away from social media because it has such an influence in their lives that they can step away from that. For many, it's maybe a particular type of food. They, they take a break from sweets or all sugar for a season, or they're going to go for a season without coffee. In scripture, in Christian history, fasting was typically seen as the voluntary abstinence from food for a period of time. So throughout history, it's not the only way to do it, but the normal way of seeing fasting throughout the Bible and throughout church history is that one would go without eating for a certain period of time. Sometimes it's a day. Sometimes actually fast would be three days or even a week or multiple weeks long. And I want us to remind ourselves as we jump into this this morning that fasting, like these other rhythms that we've talked about, are not a way to earn favor from God. They're not a way to earn favor from God. This does not earn us salvation, but a way for us to grow into the salvation that we are, have already received from God. Fasting is a unique thing because if you read through the Bible, there is no explicit command from Jesus or in the New Testament that Christians need to or have to fast every day. You will not see, it's not like, well, turn me to the passage that says thou shalt fast this often. It doesn't exist. But it was in the Old Testament actually commanded to Israel on the Day of Atonement. They were supposed to fast on the Day of Atonement. And when we look at just kind of the regular practice in the New Testament and in the early church, we see fasting as a regular thing. Jesus fasted for 40 days in preparation before he went into ministry. So fasting was something that was practiced by Jesus himself. It was expected in his teaching. We're gonna look at this later in Matthew 6 when he says when, not if you fast, but when you fast. It's regularly seen actually in the book of Acts. The New Testament church talks about the fasting that they did. And it's been regularly practiced throughout church history for the last 2000 years. So how and when we practice this rhythm is a matter of Christian freedom and God leading us. So I don't want you to leave today being like, oh, the pastor said every Sunday we can't eat or every first Sunday we have to fast. No, this is a matter of Christian freedom and what God lays on your heart. And for most of us, this rhythm will look different in our lives. For some of you, it may be something more regular. For others of us, it may not be as regular, but I wanna challenge all of us that this can be an important part of our life. Our outline this morning is simple. It's three ways that, three things that fasting is not and then the fourth is finally, after I've exhausted you on what fasting is not, we'll get around to what fasting actually is. First off, fasting is not a way to manipulate God. Fasting is not a way for us to manipulate God to get to do, for God to do then what we want to do. 
Have you ever had your kid or your spouse come to you and suddenly they're being like really extra nice and suddenly you're like, something suspicious is going on here. Like what, what do you, oh, they want something, right? And suddenly they're like, hey dad, did you know that we can go in the theme park or this Disney? Like, right, there's always something underneath, right? This is not a way for us to kind of come to God, to be extra spiritual, to slide in this thing, to try and manipulate God to do what we want to do. Fasting is not getting what you want from God. This goes back to, as Ricky talked about with prayer, this idea that prayer is not just as getting something from God. It's an ongoing conversation with him. But we see this, this idea of fasting. This has often been a struggle of people thinking that their fasting earns something that God has to respond because they've fasted. Isaiah the prophet calls this out to the people of Israel in chapter 58 of the book of Isaiah. It says this, cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me my righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. And they ask this question, why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? The people are crying out, God, God, we're fasting and you're not doing what we're asking. Why? What, why we, We've done these things. Why aren't you responding to us the way that we think you should respond? The prophet says this, behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? See, their lives were disconnected from this fast that they were calling. They're like, God, we're going through the motions. We're not eating today. And then we're going around and being wicked, unrighteous people. Why aren't you doing what we're asking? And God says, well, you're not living a life following me. You think because you go through this motion of not eating for a day or two days and asking me to do something that I'm obliged to do it when your life is totally contrary to what I'm calling you to do. As one commentator put it this way in this passage, to use good things to our own end, good things being fasting, to use good things to our own end is always the sign of false religion. To use good things like fasting to our own end, to manipulate God to what we want is always a sign of false religion. Zechariah says this in Zechariah 7, the word of the Lord of hosts came to me. Say to all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh for these 70 years, was it for me that you fasted? And when you eat and when you drink, do you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? See, the prophet is calling out that the people are fasting not to be closer to God, but because they are doing it for themselves. And they want God to do something for them. 
See, all of these rhythms that we've been talking about, including this rhythm of fasting, these are not designed for us to, excuse me, these are not about aligning God to our will. But what they are about is aligning our will to God's will. See, and too often we practice spiritual things like fasting or prayer or scripture reading the hope that if I do this, now God is going to do what I want. And the purpose of these rhythms is not so that God would do what I want, but then we start to see, you know, now I want to do what God wants. And that's the purpose of fasting, not to manipulate God to do what I want to do, but so that I can hear from God what he wants me to do. And a fasting that is disconnected from our lifestyle, that is, if we live in this wicked lifestyle like these Israelites, and we think that, oh, if we do a couple of spiritual things, that God is now bound to bless us or to answer us, it does not honor God. Don't think that if you go home and you fast this week or on a certain day, that now God somehow owes you something. He doesn't. Fasting is not a way to manipulate God. Secondly, Fasting is not done to impress others. Fasting is not done to impress others. This was a thing of Jesus as he talked about fasting in the New Testament, how it was so often practiced in his time. Jesus says this in the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter six. He says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. That fasting may be seen, excuse me, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Notice that when Jesus says here, introduces the topic of fasting, it's a when you fast, not an if. So he's kind of assuming, right? As as my followers, this is something that you will do. And he talks about this practice of fasting. It was typical in this time for the Pharisees that they fasted twice a week. They fasted two times a week. They would not eat for a 24-hour period. And to do so, as you can see here, they made a big spectacle and show of it, right? It'd be like five days a week, you'd see these guys and the hair would be combed and their clothes would be good. And then two days a week, they would look like they got out of the bed on the wrong side, their hair is going everywhere. And they're like, "What? I'm just so hungry. I'm fasting because I'm holy today. And they would go around with this obvious public display of I'm doing something spiritual today. Look at me. And Jesus is saying that looking that you're getting from people, that's the only reward you're getting. Because all you're doing is you're practicing these rhythms to try and impress the people around you. What Jesus is teaching in this passage is that when we fast, fasting should mostly be a private spiritual experience. We don't need to publicly display, to publicly broadcast what we're doing. It's between us and God. The only ones who should know are the ones who have to know. So if you're fasting, you maybe wanna do this if you're married in, in combination with your spouse. Maybe they do it along with you or maybe you at least let them know, but you don't broadcast it to the world. As I was thinking of this, I was reminded of a friend I had in college. You know, back when I was in college, it's probably still the same. There were kind of two types of people when it came to major papers. There were those who at nine o'clock the day before the major project was due would read over this project that they've been working on for weeks, say it's good, and they'd go to bed. Others would start the project at nine o'clock the night before it was due. 
right? I don't, know, I don't know which one you were, right? But I had a friend, his name was David, who was the latter one. He would start the project at 9 p.m. the night before it was due, and he would regularly stay up all night working on projects. And the next morning, you would come to class, and you know, you could, you could normally tell those of us who, actually, I guess I just slipped my tongue which one I was, right? I was this one, all right? I, 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 those of us who actually got a good night's sleep, and those who like came in like still in their pajamas, like groggy, like looking like the world was like not going, knowing what's going on. And it was interesting because David sometimes would come to class. Normally, he'd just be wearing, you know, normal clothes. But once in a while, he would come wearing a shirt and a tie to class. And I just thought this was interesting. So I asked him one time, why are you, like, dressed up today for class? He says, the reason I'm dressed up is I didn't sleep last night. I was like, that, wait, what? And he goes, when I don't sleep all night, I don't want to bring attention to that fact. So I just dress up and I dress as normal as possible. In fact, I dress nicer than normal. so not to bring attention to look like I'm someone who didn't sleep at all. He was actually going the opposite way to trying to hide this fact. He was being very private about the fact that he didn't sleep at all. And I thought, how, how interesting is that? And that should be our practice, shouldn't it? That when we fast, it's not like we give weekly or, or daily or hourly updates. It's like 11 a.m. on Facebook, not hungry yet, fast is going well. 2 p.m., I may die, I'm so hungry. Four, caught second wind, I think I'll survive, right? Like, no, that, that got, we get our reward. The world sees us and like, wow, you're so spiritual, you're fasting, congratulations. No, fasting is an individual thing, a private thing between us and the Lord. See, this passage is part of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus follows, right before this teaching on fasting, Jesus talks about, the, um, about prayer and about giving. But going into that, he says this in Matthew 6.1, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. See, what this passage is teaching us is the right practice without the right heart is empty. The right spiritual practices without the right heart is empty, and it gets us nothing from God. And so if we fast without the heart of seeking after God, it's just an empty thing that we are doing to be seen by others. Fasting is about seeking after the heart of God. Jesus tells a parable in Luke 18 of a Pharisee and a tax collector, and the Pharisee brags about his fasting and about his praying And Jesus says, that man is not heard by God, but the tax collector, the sinner who fasts and prays in private, God is the one. He, God, hears him, not this other Pharisee. And so fasting is not done to impress others. Third, and very quickly, fasting is not a diet program. Kind of obvious, but I'm like, we need to mention it though, right? I mean, intermittent fasting is kind of, if you're in the health world at all, like that's kind of a big thing. And so, so don't think that, oh, fasting, oh, this will help me lose that last 10 pounds that I've been hoping to lose forever. All right, I'm going to do fasting. Yeah, thank you, pastor. This is great. Maybe you would lose weight if you fasted. That's not a bad thing for most of us, but fasting is not first and foremost, primarily for physical reasons or a diet program. Intermittent fasting by itself will not bring you closer to Jesus just for the purpose of giving up a meal to lose weight. So what is fasting? Fasting is to be done for a spiritual purpose. True fasting is fasting that is done intentionally for a spiritual purpose, not to manipulate God, not to lose weight, 
not to be seen by others, but for a spiritual purpose. I love as many authors write, Christian fasting is not mainly about what we go without, but what we want more of. I love that. Fasting, Christian fasting, is not what we go without, but what we want more of. And Christian fasting is all about more of the heart of God, to grow, to seek him, to become more like him. And that's the heart of Christian fasting. And so what are some spiritual practices, some spiritual purposes that we see in scripture that go along with fasting? We're gonna look at five of these real quick this morning. The first practice that regularly goes along with fasting in scripture is prayer. Prayer and fasting is probably the most commonly themed thing together along this theme of fasting. We see this in Joel chapter one, where the prophet calls this, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Have a fast and pray. They go together. In Acts chapter 13, we see the early church doing this. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and prayer, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. See, prayer is the natural accompaniment to fasting in the Christian life. And a practice, if you practice fasting, especially fasting from food, a good practice to have is instead of, instead of thinking, oh, well, I'm fasting today, you know what that means? I can work for an extra hour because now I don't have to take an hour lunch break at work. What it doesn't mean is that, what it should mean is, no, I'm gonna still take my hour and instead I'm gonna pray for an hour. I'm gonna seek God for an hour. It's not just that we can fill our lives with extra time to do other things because we don't have to prep or to eat food, but it's extra time for us to seek after God. I love what one author put talking about this fasting and praying together. He said, fasting does not change God's hearing but it does change our praying. Fasting doesn't change God's hearing. It's not like he doesn't hear you when you pray if you don't fast, but fasting often changes our praying and it changes how we pray and how we seek after God. And so if you're in a season of intense prayer, I would encourage you to maybe practice fasting along while you're praying. The second way that we see fasting done for a spiritual purpose in scripture is to seek God's guidance. It's when we're seeking after his guidance or his leading in our lives. In Judges chapter 20, it says this, then all the people of Israel, the whole army went up and came to Bethel and wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And the people of Israel inquired of the Lord. The people of Israel needed God's wisdom. They needed God's guidance. They needed to know what he wanted for them. Where was he to lead them? And so what did they all decide to do together to come and to fast before God, to seek him for his guidance, his leading, his will in their lives? See, fasting is often a way to minimize the distractions of our world and to, easy, to more easily and more clearly hear the voice of God. See, if prayer, if our spiritual life is a conversation between us and God, we need to be hearing from God. And often fasting removes some of the distractions of our lives so we can more easily hear from him. It's this fascinating thing, even that we see in our physical world, that when one sense, if you, were, if you know someone who is born blind or who cannot hear, oftentimes when one sense is not there with a person, their other senses are then heightened. 
that they're able to then compensate and help grow in other areas because of one sense being removed. It's a similar thing with fasting. Then when we remove certain things from our lives, we become more sensitive to God's leading. It becomes easier to hear his voice. And we often are more sensitive to the spirit while we're fasting. This again does not mean that if you fast, that God's gonna show up and tell you, this is where I want you to move. This is where I want you to go to college. This is who you should marry. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean that sometimes God speaks to us in a more clear way when we're seeking after him in fasting. A third, a third way that fasting is seen for a spiritual purpose is when we're seeking God's deliverance and protection in our lives. When we're seeking after deliverance and protection in our lives. This is seen clearly in the book of Esther. In Esther chapter four, when she's about to go before the king and she needs protection, not knowing, risking her life. She says this, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young woman will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, those against the law. And if I perish, I perish. See, when you are in the midst of spiritual attack, fasting can be a powerful tool to show your reliance upon God. When you feel the attacks of the enemy coming onto your life, it's easy to resort to our own strength. And fasting is a tangible way of showing and of living out this thing that we rely on God and on God's strength for our lives, even the physical strength that we need to get through the day. And Esther shows us that, that she calls this fast as she's facing this dire circumstance. And maybe for us, if we are feeling that in our lives, that those are moments for us where fasting could be a powerful tool that God could lead us in our lives. A fourth way that is seen in scripture is fasting as often goes alongside with repentance, with repentance of sin and humbling of ourselves before God. In Joel chapter two, it says this, yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Return to me, this is one of the classic phrases of repentance, of coming back to God and turning from sin in all of scripture. And what coincides with it is fasting. We see this played out in the story of Jonah the prophet when he went to preach to Nineveh. Sometimes if you know the story of Jonah, you just know the first two chapters, right? Of, oh, he gets the one who gets swallowed by a fish and spit up, right? Well, yeah, that's only the first half of the story. Then he goes to Nineveh, this wicked nation, and he preaches, hey, you're all gonna die because you're sinners. And what do they do? They call a fast and they repent before God. This, this fast shows the repentance of their heart and their dependence and the humbling of themselves, the acknowledgement of their sin. And when we feel burdened by our sin, fasting can be a way to show our repentance and saying, God, I've repented. I want to turn from my sin and to show that I'm gonna voluntarily give up of something to dedicate myself even more so to you. A fifth way that fasting is seen in scripture for spiritual purposes is an ex simply an expression of love and devotion. Not necessarily a specific circumstance tied to it, nothing wrong, nothing desperate, but just a heart that wants to show love and devotion to God. We see this in Luke chapter two, talking about the woman named Anna. It says this in Luke 2, 37, speaking of Anna, and then as a widow, she was there until she was 84. She did not part from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. It wasn't just some special circumstance, but it was just a regular part of her life to show love and devotion to God that she would 
practice fasting. See, sometimes it's no reason at all that you fast, but you simply wanna show God your love and your devotion, to hear from him, to draw closer to him. And so you will voluntarily give up of something to show your reliance upon God. So what would fasting look like in your life? For me, as I was thinking of this, there was kind of two questions that that came to mind for me as I've been processing and thinking through this the last several weeks. First question I want us to think about this morning is this, what in your life would be hardest to give up? When we talk about fasting and there's certainly food is one thing, but there's other things too. Maybe for a lot of you, maybe it is food. But for some of us, it's what, what would be the hardest to give up? Like, man, I couldn't imagine not being on my phone all the time. I couldn't imagine having no TV on in my house or never checking social media. I couldn't imagine whatever it is. You're like, oh, I could go for weeks without food. Just don't take away my coffee, please. Like, that's what I need. Like, what, what, what is the most thing that would be hardest for you to give up? See, the, the thing is this, fasting often points out the idols in our lives. Just like Ray, you talked about last week, how rest often points out idols, things that we've made gods in our lives that we can't give up. Fasting sometimes points out idols in our life. And for some of us, technology or food or other good things that have good reasons and good purposes actually have become central to our lives. And setting them aside for a period of time pushes them out and allows us to focus back on God. And perhaps what you need to fast from the most is what is actually the hardest thing to do. Perhaps that we're like, oh, I would never want to go a day or two days or a week without that. Perhaps that's actually what you need to do the most because that has become an idol in your heart. And by voluntarily pushing it to the side for a week, it allows you to focus back on God. For many of us, this idea of fasting, if we're gonna be honest, in one word, it seems crazy. For many of us, it's okay, because that's how I often think about it, right? You're like, this is extreme level Christianity. Like, what's next week's sermon going to be? How we should all leave and go become monks in the desert and take vows of silence. You're like, what? what? This is like craziness, right? Because this is so anti-cultural to do this. And to me, as I thought about what, why do I think that fasting, why does this just seem crazy? Why is that for me? I was struck that for me, Fasting often seems kind of this crazy thing that just like these ridiculous Christians do, but not normal people like me, right? But why, why is it crazy? Well, for me, I was like, man, the answer is for me too often, I just want God to fit into the convenience of my own life. I'm like, hey, I, I like God as long as it's, I can do the rest of my life, as long as I can have everything else that I want, and I can just kind of add God in, right? But ask me to give up something for God, and suddenly I'm like, ooh, Ooh, I don't know if I want to do that. And I think for a lot of us, fasting seems a little crazy because our attitude towards God has just become fitting him into the convenient parts of our life. And suddenly when we're asked to give something up for him, it seems so radical. And to me, the question I had to ask myself, and I want to ask you, is am I desperate enough for God that I'm not just willing, but I'm glad to give up something to hear from him? Am I desperate enough for God that I'm not just willing to give something up, but I'm glad to give it up to hear from him? Because see, fasting helps reveal the idols in our hearts. It helps move things to the side. And it reminds us that more than food, more than anything else in this life, what we truly need is God. 
And fasting removes some of these things away, strips down our hearts by taking away some things and shows us that what we really need more than anything is God. And so as we hopefully practice this, not necessarily every day or every week, may we not be those like the Old Testament who fasted to try and manipulate God. May we not be like those in the New Testament who did it to impress the people around us. But I would challenge you, what would fasting look like in your life? And are you desperate enough for God that you're glad to actually give up something good for a short season of time to hear from him? God, we thank you for your love, for your goodness to us, that you are a God who hears our prayers, who knows our hearts. God, I've been humbled this week as I've been thinking and praying about this topic this so often I just want to fit you into my life and I don't really want to have to give anything up. God, I'm sure that's many of us here this morning. God, as you reveal the things in our hearts and in our lives that we hold on to, that we've created idols out of, may we be not just willing, but may we be glad to give them up for a season to hear from you. God, our greatest need is you. And we want to hear from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Never miss a message and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.